to the Clickomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, May the 29th, 2022. Pastor Scott Gordon continues his lengthy series on healthy habits, today focusing on service and the standard that Jesus set for us to serve one another. And now to Pastor Scott. So we are thankful for that opportunity. I invite you to join with me picking up your Bibles, opening them to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We'll be studying the emphasis now in the habit of service. As we continue our series on healthy habits for strengthening our Christian life as individuals and as the people of God gathered as the church that we know as our church family, Clay Como Baptist Church, and as our connection extends beyond that to other churches around us seeking equally to follow faithfully after our Father, after our Lord, in the direction He would lead us for His glory and the sake of His kingdom. As we get started, I've got a question for you. Now, do you remember back to your grade school days? For some of us, that might be hard. But, but anyway, um, he started laughing, so I just, it, it was too easy. Uh, maybe our high school days, we could equally, our school days. Sitting in class. As you're sitting there, it, it, how long did it take to figure out who was striving to be or wanted to be the teacher's pet? I mean, how, how long did you scan the room, pick whatever, you know, in high school, whatever class it was, and, and maybe that circumstance, that, that scenario immediately comes to mind? Or, or, or maybe as parents of school-age kids, how long did it take before you recognized the parent who thought their kid should be the teacher's pet? That kid does no wrong. That kid is an asset that any teacher would love to have in their classroom. And as we turn to Mark chapter 10, these very attitudes present themselves even among the disciples who are walking with and talking with Jesus We begin in verse 35 of Mark chapter 10, giving us a context as we launch into this discussion, this study on the habit of service or ministry that we will tie those words interchangeably together over the next few Sundays. Beginning in, in verse 35, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him, him is Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered him, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. 
And uh, think back to those days. I think we can uh, understand that. Now, elsewhere, this is attributed to being in concert with James and John's mom, kind of stoking this fire, if you will. Asking, where will you do this for us? And, and we would like this opportunity. We are seeking out that spot, that position. Jesus' answer in the verses that follow immediately this context that we uh, have just looked into has been set before us in the scripture. Jesus' answer gives us insight into the standard for service. And so that's where I, I want to draw our attention today, that we would see where we are in understanding what biblical service, what, what God-honoring ministry looks like and should act like. Now, before we get down this road, we're into a new habit. And I've got to maintain the consistency of a habit I set for myself as we embarked upon this journey down this road since the beginning of this year, looking at these spiritual habits from the Bible study and scripture memorization and, and reading the scripture and, and meditation and prayer and, and fasting, all the way through to understanding worship. And the aspect of being able to celebrate God's goodness together and the calling of evangelism that we would go into all the world. We've covered that ground to this point and we turn our attention to a, a new habit that is a, a part of our lives, must be a part of our lives. And the question we need to remind ourselves about is why? For what purpose do we seek to include these habits in our lives? Is it so that we can fill out our resume, pat ourselves on the back, and everybody go, wow, aren't you special? No, here's biblically this reminder for us, the, the two primary reasons for which we continue to focus in this study. First of all, we find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. So it is in the pursuit of holiness, that kind of lifestyle that says there is a standard. We also equate righteousness in, in this very same way. But holiness, the Bible says that we are to be holy because our Lord is holy. And so that we pursue. And then 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 says, But have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. And so we must train in godliness. Pursuit and train are not just haphazard words. They're not just, oh, accidental. Oh, look, I ran into holiness today. Oh, no, I accidentally grew in godliness today. No, it's intentional. It is very, and there is a training, that is the word that we have mentioned previously, where we get gymnasium from. So it's a workout. So it involves effort as well as intentionality. And so we bring ourselves to this focus on service and seeing the standard of service. We carry on in Mark chapter 10, picking up in verse 42 and going through verse 45. Here we read, Jesus called them over and said to them. So all this is going on. The conversation has been had. James and John, his mom, come and seeking this. The disciples getting upset and Jesus calls a meeting. Says, time out, y'all. We need to talk. 
Verse 42, Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So here at the outset, as we embark upon this focus on service, and we see the standard that is set before us, we first of all see that the standard is missed. Now there's a specific example but if we're honest, we can find ourselves in these shoes. The standard of service to which we are called is one that we can easily either be distracted from or maybe be clueless regarding. And we find it in verse 42 and the first part of verse 43, Jesus' commentary about this. The standard is missed in this way. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. So the standard mist looks like this. It is a godless, self-established, self-serving standard. It means that I make the rules. And conveniently enough, when we make the rules, when the lords of the Gentiles, the rulers over the Gentiles, it was easy for them and it didn't matter how easy it was for anybody else. Left to our own devices, we will come up with a standard in much the same way. In this case, it looked like this, to lord it over someone else or to act as a tyrant. Now, we, we think, man, that sounds really bad. I, you know, nope, we never act like this. One simple word fits the attitude of lording it over or acting like a tyrant. It is this, pride. A proud attitude in any given situation, whether you are specifically the one in charge or think you should be, is this. <laughs> if they just do it my way. Ouch, oh me, or I got to hold my breath and hope another shoe doesn't drop. Trust me, our toes are being stepped on here. Our own attitudes are being challenged. Here's what Jesus' commentary is regarding this. Look at the first part of verse 43. But it is not so among you. It is not so. This cannot be who you are. I like that it's put in the present tense. I tried to make it future tensed. It should not be so. But the deal is, coming to Christ, being a part of his family, being transformed by the gospel, being identified as a child of God, a follower of Jesus, means that this is who we are. And anything we do else wise is sin and is out of step with who we've been called to be 
So there is a standard. Why do we need a standard? Because just as the example that is set before his disciples that Jesus gives, we have the same temptation in our own pride, in our own selfishness, in any number of ways that we can draw the bubble of importance right around us, we are tempted to do. And he says, the standard of ministry, the standard of service of each other, and as the people of God in the culture in which we live, is different than lorded over or being a tyrant. Anytime we step into those roles, into those attitudes, in those actions, we have strayed from the calling that our Lord has given us. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be aware. That's why this first part of Jesus calling over in family meeting, if you will, with these disciples beginning to argue. One, out of focus, asking a question they had no business asking. The other one's getting upset with the other. Before it went out of hand, Jesus said, stop. The warning is, don't go here. The next step is then... He mentions the standard. The standard is mentioned. He describes it for his disciples and for us. The rest of verse 43 and into verse 44. When he says, it's not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. Now, there's some pretty stout language here that is definitely influenced by our time frame, and we will acknowledge that at the outset here, that using language of slavery that is part of the cultural and context that we grew up in is definitely out of bounds. And so we've got to define what these two words mean as we get into this discussion of service and ministry being equated, if you will, the picture, the ones who have a godly, holy, and righteous reputation in what they do will be a servant and a slave to all. It's, it's somewhat antithetical in, in many cases to the times in which we live. And actually, throughout history, this seems to be antithetical to what it means to lead. What it, what it means to, to be at the forefront of fulfilling the advancement of the kingdom. I mean, if we're going to advance a kingdom, then we've got to be warriors. And that doesn't mean, and that Paul and the rest of Scripture that we see doesn't use those ideas of being ready to fight and to be armored and, and ready. But if that becomes an excuse for us to be offensive then we have missed the point and we've missed the foundation of the Christian life in service because we are called to be a servant and a slave to all. What, what do these words mean? Just by way of kind of reminding ourselves of this picture here, the word servant that is used is the word diakonos. Does that sound familiar? It's the very word from which we get deacon. It is that very picture that we look to for leaders and the actions they carry out. Service. Those who are described as caregivers. 
We would say a, a server, a, 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 the one writer, and this has to be way before our time because I've never used this term of a waiting man, but a servant, we would say in, in that picture. That one who is, as Austin brought our attention to in the beginning, is to look out not for our own interest, but the interest of others as we read in Philippians chapter 2. Diakonos we're good with. Usually, hey, yeah, let's help others. To be a servant to all. This next one, slave, like I said, it kind of gets us to react. The word is doulos. It's the word most often used for an indentured servant. In the day and time of the Roman Empire and in the, the Greek or Hellenistic world that kind of led into that as well. Those who often found themselves in debt, especially, would sell themselves into slavery to pay off the debt. They would become indentured servants. They were there to fulfill an obligation in that, and it is that, that picture of a, a lining up under. It is that idea of being able to set aside maybe even rights and privileges and put yourself in a position Underneath somebody else. That's where the word comes in handy. If the first word talks about action, diakonos, service, helper. The second one of doulos says, this is where I rank myself in relationship to others. And the picture is this. I consider myself below everybody. Now do we do this? And let me just leave you all out of it. Do I do it? Consistently enough? No. I wish I did more. And that's where we find ourselves going, okay, we can see the example before us that is the standard mist. Okay, don't, don't be a, a lorded over tyrant, a bully. Getting my way first. My way or the highway. But to be a, a, a servant to all. <clears throat> well, um, uh, how does that happen? I'm not really naturally inclined. Could somebody show me the way? Well, it's a good thing to ask that question because Jesus doesn't stop there at verse 44 by simply saying, don't do this. Here it is. I hope you all figure it out. Have a nice day. He sets before them a poignant and just, I mean, you know, marquee, bright lights. I mean, here's the analogy, probably never to be able to use it. Anybody been to Vegas? <laughs> Everybody ever been on the strip at Vegas at night? And if you can admit that, wow. And I, I can, I've been there. My brother lives there, so it's his fault. <laughs> He'll be here in a couple of weeks, so y'all can tell him that I threw him under the bus or blamed him for whatever and, and that. But man, that, that street is full of bright lights. Grab your attention. Come into this casino. Stop by this place or that, some of which are unmentionable. But to get our attention, our Lord puts out a banner that is unmistakable for service. 
better than anything we could come up, up with, better than any, you know, now what is it, 6K TV screen or, or, or screen at a ballpark or anything like that, clearer than any technology we can imagine to show a picture. Jesus says this in verse 45, as the standard met. But it is, no, no, that's verse 43. Let me find verse 45. There it is. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our example. Now, Jesus didn't come to merely be our example. Don't hear me going down that road because that gets you into some bad theology. Jesus is our Savior and Lord. Because the example he set, we can only fulfill by being empowered through the Holy Spirit, repenting and trusting him that is Jesus as our Savior and Lord, the one who went to the cross, died for our sins, rose again, went and returned to the Father and sent the Spirit to dwell with us. The only hope we have in fulfilling this is first of all seeing the example and then trusting God who has enabled us to fulfill the example. And to live out this life of service. Because Jesus meets the standard perfectly, ultimately, and completely. Perfectly, without sin, perfect every time, everywhere. From the cross, to the miracles that he performed, to the way he treated people as he lived each and every day, to how he treated his disciples, how he stood for righteousness, how he lived with compassion. Ultimately, is that example the cross completely is not only for himself but for us as well you see no greater love has anyone than this but that he lay down his life for his friends Jesus said to his disciples and it's preserved for us in his word for all of us to hear and I have called you friend. How so? It's the timeless beauty of the gospel story. It is the good news that we who are dead in trespasses and sins, we who are without hope, because we've rebelled against a holy God all the way from Genesis 3 throughout the entire book. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not one, the Bible says. That's all of us. Only Jesus is perfect, sinless. He lived that life that way. And he went to the cross. The death that we deserve for the wages of sin is death. The payment, the consequence of sin for all of us is to die. Not only to die physically here and now in this short life on this earth, but forever to be separated from the God who created us. See, that's the payment of sin. And thankfully, there's a, hold on a minute. As a preacher friend of mine said back in Oklahoma, there's the but God moment. But God who is rich in mercy through the grace in which he loved us sent his son to die for us. 
But God, who saw us dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together in Christ. By grace we are saved. Why? Because Jesus went to the cross, he was buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rose again. He's alive. I would say we just celebrated Easter. It's a few months ago now. It's uh, hard to believe. Time is continuing to fly, especially the older I get. It flies faster. I know that's impossible, but you can't tell me I don't feel it. But anyway. Wow. But the Easter story is resurrection hope. It is good news. It is salvation. That faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. For with the heart one believes this story. With the mouth one confesses, resulting in righteousness, providing us the opportunity to become born again, renewed, a child of the King, a follower of Christ. Oh, the standard has been met, and the good news, the one who met the standard has enabled us to do the same. Now, would we ever think that we could do it on the level that Jesus did? I don't. But he has enabled us to do more than we think we can. More than than we may want to at times. But we have the opportunity to minister and serve in the strength that Jesus provides. What a beautiful picture. Here's the standard. Jesus is very clear. And not only in this case, right here in, in Mark chapter 10, does he interrupt a discussion we'll call it an argument that's what it was and says hey guys no here it is this is what you have seen this should not be so this is the way it should be and i am setting you an example and will enable you to fulfill it and then he gives elsewhere in the gospels in matthew chapter 25 a beautiful picture of what service looks like now we don't normally think about it when we get to matthew 25 we're usually thinking about the end times it's where we've been in sunday school Thanks the Olivet Discourse, then he comes into that, and we get into the story of the sheep and the goats. And we get into who's getting in and who's not. And that's part of the story. But in telling the part of the story, Jesus drops a picture of service. What should service look like for those who would be called the sheep, those who are honoring Christ, living for his glory? Well, the answer to that we find in Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. It goes like this. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Service. Now, interestingly enough, both groups said, when, Lord, did we see you like this? Jesus answered the same as, inasmuch as you've done it to one of the least of these, you've done it to me. So our service is unto the Lord. It impacts everyone around us. Your brothers and sisters right here, your neighbors, your co-workers, our community, our state, our nation, our world. You say, I can't impact that far. We may not think we can, but we do.
www.claybap.org.